Hi, I'm Ashwarya, the producer of Rumors. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Your love and support means a lot and has taken Rumors to new heights. I'm the head of originals at Bound. In addition to our own hit podcasts, we also help brands and storytellers create high-quality, knowledgeable, and stellar podcasts with our end-to-end podcast and video production services. So if you want to get started on your podcasting journey or even analyze if a podcast is the right step for you, reach out to me at aishwarya at boundindia.com. That's A-I-S-H-W-A-R-Y-A at boundindia.com. Or you can reach out to us at Bound India on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Bound. This show is made for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to outrage, insult, defame, or hurt any religion or religious sentiments, beliefs, feelings of any person, entity, class, or community. and does not encourage or propagate any superstition black magic and or witchcraft listeners should exercise their discretion in the easternmost corner of south asia the three mighty rivers the ganga brahmaputra and padma mingle and flow into the bay of bengal together they create a delta full of tidal waterways mud flats and small islands covered in mangrove trees this ever changing delta is known as the sundarbans the sundarbans is a wild country like no other on earth so it makes sense that the folklore of the sundarbans is just as unique ghostly lights that lead unsuspecting fishermen to their deaths a shape-shifting were tiger who is a god to some but a demon to others and a benevolent lady of the forest who may have arrived here all the way from saudi arabia these are the strange tales born in the shadows of the sundarbans This is Rumors. I am Chandrama Das. Join me as I shine a light on the darkest corners of India, where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories. Sundarbans is no ordinary mangrove. It's the largest mangrove belt in the world. Like all wild things, the forest obeys no national borders. 60% of it sits in Bangladesh, while the rest is in India. The Sundarbans is a murky land. No wonder the origins of its name are also clouded. Some say the name comes from the sundari trees that populate the mangrove forest. Others believe that it is an ode to the beauty of this forest. 
the Bengali term Shundorbon literally translates to beautiful jungle. In either case, the Sundarban seems to hate all signs of modern civilization, and that includes cars and buses. You can only travel inside by boat and by foot. The boats always remain silent here, traveling with their motors shut down. The tidal waterways and dense canopies of roots allow little speed anyway. As you travel inside, what hits you first is a great sense of stillness. The sounds of the forest are an orchestra of white noise, composed of the dark rustle of trees, the gentle ripple in the water, and the clouds moving swiftly across the sky. But the stillness is deceptive. The Sundarbans is not static. The mangrove forest is constantly changing. Delta formations like the Sundarbans shift with time. Monsoon rains, floods, tidal influence and plant colonization all shape this landscape together. The islands of mangrove trees form and unform. Communities of plants and animals move with it. Under its outward cover of mystery and ferocity, the Sundarbans is a fragile ecosystem. It comes as no surprise that the folklore of this region underlines the relationship between humans and the forest. The Sundarbans has birthed unique stories, the first of which is an illustration of the magic tricks that this landscape plays on unwitting humans who dare to venture in. This is the legend of the Alea ghost lights. Most humans who traverse the waterways of the Sundarbans are fishermen looking for their daily catch. While roaming the swamps in the evening or at night, many such fishermen report coming across a display of flickering colourful lights. These lights typically hover over the water at a distance from their boats, beckoning them to come closer. When a curious fisherman approaches, the light seems to inch further and further away or disappear completely. A light show in the forest sounds fun, right? But the Alea lights are not entirely harmless. Curious fishermen who continue to follow these lights into the deep forest become transfixed by the strange rhythm of their flicker. And the more unfortunate ones end up lost or even drowned. According to local belief, these Alea lights are the spirits of fishermen who lost their lives in these tricky waterways. And the intentions of these mysterious spirits can't be deciphered by us humans. While some coast lights appear to lead fishermen off the path, others sometimes point them in the right direction. Though the Sundarbans is isolated from the rest of the world, its Alea ghost lights are not an isolated phenomenon. Ghost lights or glowing orbs have been spotted around the world. 
known by different names such as will o the wisp or jack o lantern this phenomenon only appears over marshy and wet land and with good reason because the cause of these glowing lights is the ionization of methane gas which is naturally produced in swamps and bogs now local belief may not be founded in science but it's not entirely wrong the dead do play a role in creating the alaya lights the phosphine diphosphate and methane gases that create the alaya lights are released by the decomposition of organic matter organic matter that comes from dead animals plants and human bodies given the dangers in the forest one expects that people would leave the sundarbans well alone but we haven't in fact the sundarbans is one of the most densely populated areas in the world and this population increases every year the people of the sundarbans are poor and live off the natural resources around them here the laws of the jungle transcend religion and caste instead identity and community are drawn from people's occupations and their relationship with the forest o jongol kore is how locals refer to someone living off the forest they are the woodcutters known as bole and honey collectors known as mole fishing is another important livelihood women and the elderly also work in the forest collecting prawn seed and crabs from rivers and rivulets none of these occupations is without risk for the people of the sundarbans a regular day at the office is filled with threats from snakes and crocodiles but the most vicious threat of them all comes from the king of the sundarbans the royal bengal tiger The Sundarbans have a long history of human-tiger conflict. Both species depend on the same resources, the forest and the river. And the tiger's tendency to occasionally dine on humans doesn't exactly help the situation. Tigers not only feed on people going into the forest, they also don't shy away from entering villages and taking off with men, women, children. or cattle official figures say about 40 people are attacked each year but the actual numbers are likely to be higher the tiger is a protected species and large swathes of the sundarbans are designated as reserved forests killing tigers or going into reserved forest areas invites legal trouble punishment and even social isolation No wonder the bag bidhobas or tiger widows and their children are taught to tell officials and outsiders that their men died of diarrhea. It's no surprise that much of the Sundarbans mythology centers on the Royal Bengal Tiger. The tiger is not just seen as a monstrous enemy. It is also revered, worshipped and feared as a deity. and the form in which the tiger manifests as a god in the sundarbans is dokhinrai witnessing him from a safe distance is possible at the dokhineshwar temple 
which is a short rickshaw ride from Dhabdhapi station on the Shialda South Railway line in West Bengal. Before it was cleared and settled by humans, this area was a part of the Sundarbans. Inside the temple is a seven-feet-tall idol of the tiger god Dukhinrai. Carrying a gun, the deity is dressed in a dhoti, a jacket, and a pair of boots. Much like a tiger, he has a narrow waist. His body is covered in a shiny yellowish luster, crisscrossed with dark stripes. His tail is 20 feet long, and saliva represented by white foam drips from the sides of his mouth. Dukhin Rai literally translates to Lord of the South. This controversial figure has many stories attached to him. The people of Sundarbans who worship him as a god see him as the protector of the forest. Dukhinrai is half man and half tiger, a were tiger if you will. But unlike a were wolf, his transformation isn't subject to the cycles of the moon. Dukhinrai has the supernatural ability to take on the form of a tiger at will. He does it to punish those who enter the jungle with greed in their hearts. He can control the animals of the forest. He is also seen as a healer who can cure illness and injury sustained in the forest. But like all wrathful gods, Dukhinrai must be appeased. Believers say that he must be worshipped every Amavasya or New Moon night with offerings of animal sacrifices. and night long sessions of singing and dancing this shows how they've transferred their reverence for the tiger onto the tiger god dukhinrai but dukhinrai is a god only for some others consider him king of the demons that inhabit the sundarbans his hold extends not just to the living creatures of the forest but also to the dead the ghouls ghosts and malevolent spirits of the sundarbans he feels hatred towards humans but also desire and like the man eating tiger dokhinrai's desire is an insatiable craving for human flesh this shows how people have transferred their terror of the tiger onto the demon king dokhinrai whether reverence or fear Dokhin Rai never fails to evoke powerful emotions. Many invoke his name in prayer before entering the forest. Some people even wear masks depicting Dokhin Rai or just a tiger, and they wear these tiger masks on the backs of their heads. They believe the tiger always attacks from behind, and this tiger mask is a hope to trick the tiger into believing that their human prey is just another tiger and not get eaten like many powerful entities in mythology dokhin rai's stories feature an arch rival she is the hyper masculine dokhin rai's opposite a feminine deity she is known by many names but the most common one is bon bibi or the lady of the forest There are two episodes to Bon Bibi's tale. The first has to do with Bon Bibi's origin story and her battle with Dokhin Rai. In this story, 
Bon Bibi and her brother, Shah Jongli, arrived in the land of 18 tides or the Sundarbans, all the way from Mecca in far off Saudi Arabia. Upon arrival, they found that this land was under Dokhin Rai's control. Dokhin Rai, aggressive as usual, immediately decided to throw them out of his territory. But lazy, elegant tiger that he was, he didn't go himself. Instead, he sent his mother Narayoni with an army of ghosts and goblins to fight Bon Bibi and Shah Jongli. After a long battle, Bon Bibi defeated Narayoni. But the generous Bon Bibi only took half of the Sundarbans. She returned the other half to Narayoni and Dokhinrai in exchange for a truce. People believe that the one half of the Sundarbans, which Bon Bibi kept and continues to rule, is the habitable part of the Sundarbans, where humans can go with some safety. They believe Dokhin Rai rules the other half, the deep unknown forest. Perhaps this division symbolizes a balance between the realm of humans and the realm of nature. Bon Bibi's second episode is the narrative of Dukhe. Once upon a time, there lived two brothers whose profession was to collect honey. Their names were Dhona and Mona. Dhana was a greedy man. He planned an expedition to collect honey from deep inside the country of the 18 tides. He even purchased a fleet of seven boats for this quest. But his brother Mona strongly opposed it. If you enter Dokhinrai's territory, death and destruction are guaranteed, Mona warned. Dhana heeded the warning but not in the way Mona had meant it. Recognizing Dokhin Rai's hunger for human flesh, Dhana took a poor shepherd boy named Dukhe along with him as a scapegoat. As the innocent Dukhe prepared to leave home, his mother became worried. She advised him to call upon Bon Bibi if he ever came face to face with trouble in the forest. Keeping this instruction in mind, Dukhe boarded the boat with no clue about Dhana's evil plans for him. Soon, Dhana's fleet of boats arrived in the kingdom of Dukhinrai, deep inside the forest. For the next three days, no matter how hard his men worked, Dhana couldn't collect any honey or wax. On the third night, Dokhin Rai appeared in Dhana's dreams. He would give Dhana all the honey and wax he desired, but only in exchange for a human sacrifice. Dhana played his card. It was now time to sacrifice Dukhe. Dhana collected all the wax and honey he could store on his fleet of boats. Then he dumped Dukhe in the middle of the deep forest and returned to his village. Alone and vulnerable, Dukhe shivered with fear. Dukhin Rai spotted him and took on the form of a man-eating tiger. He began to stalk Dukhe. Sensing that danger was close by, 
Dukhe recalled his mother's advice. He began chanting prayers invoking Bon Bibi. Lo and behold, Bon Bibi with her brother Shah Jongli arrived. They fought off Dokkhin Rai and defeated him. Dukhe cried tears of joy. He was finally safe. Bon Bibi returned Dukhe to his village and sent seven carts of honey and wax with him. Over several years, the eternally grateful Dukhe popularized the worship of his savior Bon Bibi in the neighboring areas. Bon Bibi's tales were first told in the Bono Bibi Jaharun Nama, composed in 1877 by Banayuddin. More recently, novelist Amitav Ghosh features Dukhe's story in two of his works, The Hungry Tide and Jungle Nama. The original text is written in simple verse, traditionally known as a pachali, which are chanted like mantras when people enter the forest. Locals believe that chanting Bon Bibi's pachali makes circumstances favorable, reducing their chances of encountering a tiger. The people of the Sundarbans believe it protects them against Dukhin Rai as they struggle to make a living in the mangroves. Makeshift temples of Bon Bibi with a single clay image line the edge of the forest. More elaborate temples can be found in the villages. In these the goddess has room to stand alongside many other deities usually a surprising mix of muslim and hindu religious symbols often accompanying bon bibi is her rival dokkhin rai in some temples bon bibi merely stands beside him in others she is vanquishing him looking remarkably like goddess durga destroying the demon The influences of both Islam and Hinduism are visible in the tale though canonically Bon Bibi belongs to neither religion She is likely a folk symbol representing mother nature an interfaith environmental regulator who is worshiped by both Hindus and Muslims two communities equally at the mercy of the forest here In Bon Bibi's folklore the forest is not a forbidden zone but you only go there if you need to mon bibi protects the fishermen honey collectors and woodcutters who enter the forest on the other hand dokkhin rai kills men without mercy he calls this a tax on humanity in exchange for what they take away from the forest between the two opposing forces balance is found The Sundarbans offer a paradox. The locals depend on mother nature, but they also need protection from her. No wonder the culture revolves around the major conflict of the region. This constant struggle between man and nature. In the absence of strong governance, without science or the law to shelter them, local people fall back on divine powers and myths to save them from the dangers that lurk. in the shadows of the sundarbans but these folk tales also provide cultural and social regulation in the dense canopies of the sundarbans where the long arm of the law falls short it stops people from taking more than they need from these fragile forests 
Mangrove trees have unique evolutionary adaptations in their root system that allow them to survive in harsh saltwater environments where most other plants would die. Perhaps the myths of the mangroves are also adaptations that allow humans to survive in these harsh environments. After all, the folk stories we tell are not just means of entertainment. They are also vessels carrying insights that help us combat the many challenges that life throws our way with wisdom and balance. Thank you for listening to Rumors, where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories. I'm Chandrima Das, collector and teller of Dark Tales, and the creator of this podcast in collaboration with Bound, a company that helps you grow through stories. Produced by Aishwarya Zawalgekar and sound designed by Aditya Arya. Join me every Friday on this quest into the lesser-known side of the subcontinent. Subscribe, rate and review for new episodes every week. Sleep safe tonight. Who knows what awaits in the dark? Mm-hmm.